0: Well, good day, everyone. Uh, If you're tuning in or listening, the odds are that you are invested and involved in reaching Australia with the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, All of us want to see our friends, family, colleagues come to know and love Jesus. And yet at present in Australia, it seems we're facing an uphill battle. Uh, The average church size in Australia is around 70, and no religion is the fastest growing category of belief in Australia. It's estimated that around 5% of Australians or less actively involved in Bible-believing churches. And what that means is not just that the majority of Australians aren't Christian, but the majority of Australians actually will not have a meaningful relationship with a Christian in their lifetime. So what can we do? How can we actually reach Australia? What's God's plan and purpose for the church to do that? Can we know? And what impact will that have on what we do? Are there things that we can do to ensure that we're not just treading water, but actually moving forward, growing not just in faithfulness, but also in fruitfulness. Well today uh, I'm thrilled to be joined by Andrew Heard. Andrew has been involved in Christian ministry uh, for over 25 years. In 1996, planted a church called EV Church on the Central Coast with his wife Kathy. Uh, Is heavily involved with the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches, the Church Planning Network, Geneva Push, and also Rich Australia. As I said, married to Kathy, four children. And how many grandchildren do you have now, Andrew? Oh, I think four. Four, and another on the way. Or oh, three with three. Another, right. there's, there's with a, a hard question. There's a few there. Andrew, welcome. Oh, looking bad already. <laughs> Andrew, we're talking about evangelism um, and winning people to Christ. So let's start there. How did that happen for you? How did you become a Christian?
1: Uh, a number of things came together. Grew up in a non-Christian home, but a church sending home. So uh, you know they. There was an instinct for me that there's more to life than this life. There's probably a creator. But my parents weren't involved, weren't interested, weren't doing anything. Um, I I cut long story short, towards the end of high school, uni, I decided to work it all out. I was gonna invest to find out whether these things are true. So I went along to uh, lunchtime lectures at the university I was at, UNSW, uh, University of New South Wales. And uh, they were going through Mark's gospel and it really was quite a journey for me. I, it was in, it was wonderful. To, I stopped hearing the speaker and I was just seeing Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it was really quite profound. D- did a whole bunch of things that actually showed me that just teaching the Bible's profound. But the person of Jesus is compelling. And uh, I was convinced he was who he was, said he was. Uh, over a period of time, wrestled with the consequences of that in my life, you know, counted the cost, all those things and made a decision to become a Christian. There's a the short story, yeah, and everything changed. It was um, it was interesting from that time. Uh, my conversion experience, in back into its little pieces that led to it as well, was about life. If there is a God and He's done what He's done in Jesus, that life must be about Him, mm. not career, sport. So right from the very beginning, I it sort of it shaped my whole worldview, the way I thought about my existence. Quite profound ways.
0: How did you find your way from uh, a brand new convert, I suppose, to gospel ministry, uh, and what was the role of the church, the local church, yeah. in that process for you?
1: Yeah, I, I I started going to the local church at Manly Vale, a small Anglican church, um, very faithful, Bible teaching ministry, um, but not changing the world. It was, but very godly, faithful, and in that context, I just was compelled to be involved in whatever way I could. You know, I ran the youth group, I preached every now and then, did these kinds of things and, and saw more and more that what mattered most in our world was that people are brought to faith in Christ and deepened in Christ and anything else just didn't cut it. And so over time, I, I just had a greater hunger to do more gospel ministries, I was, I was an engineer, I was going to become a you know, river and coastal water engineer and very very satisfied in that work, loved that work. Um, but I explored with others about the possibility of the wisdom of me giving that up to give myself full time to the work. And I was able to talk with wise pastoral leaders who helped me think about where the best future was, investigate whether that was wise for me through a ministry training apprenticeship, which many people do. And uh, that just ignited further my hunger and my conviction that I could add something, that I wouldn't be a burden to the church. Uh, You know, I was worried that, my parents actually were horrified that I was gonna become a bludger. I was gonna stop working and I was just gonna sponge off society, you know. And I was terrified that I'd be that person as well. And so I wanted to make sure I would add something that it would be worth paying me. And uh, people kept encouraging me in that direction. So here I am, yeah. Um In my
0: introduction we spoke about some fairly uh, alarming statistics. Yeah. Um, The rising, uh, uh, I suppose, uh, proportion of people in Australia who claim no religion, uh, the decreasing size of people who attend church. Um, Of course, not only that, but I suppose the sense uh, in the Australian community at large, wherever you're listening to this, uh, that the church is irrelevant, that we're an absolute Sort of product of a bygone age with no relevancy yeah, yeah. to the current life that we live in. Um, how do we reach Australia, and what is the role uh, of the church? Considering the average size of the church can be quite small, what is the role of the church uh, in God's plan to reach Australia? They're mm. huge questions, but yeah, 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Look, I am I, absolutely convinced that the the church is central to that activity. It's not just that the key is a series of maverick evangelists out there doing the work. I I think the key is the local church um, and understood rightly. And so the local church is positioned extraordinarily to be used by God to reach the country and the world. Um, But, but it's not, uh, it's not to do that via the path of becoming uh, a seeker service structure. So we've got to take seriously the theological picture of church as a gathering for the edification of God's people. So church is for believers. um, And though I think it's got an important role, it's not by becoming that seeker service. It's for the edification of believers to be led by Bible people prayerfully to stir one another up to grow in Christ. But there's the key. Um, A local church doing its ministry properly will be seeking to form Christ in each of the people and be the body of Christ together. And at the heart of being like Jesus is being someone who is passionate about the lost. He's he's the one who came to seek and save the lost. He's the one who gave up his life uh, to save. And so if I'm seeking to form Christ in someone and that not show itself in them with an increased hunger, to reach the world for jesus to actually see people saved from hell and glorify god in conversion then i've not done my job properly as a pastor so local church forming christ which is about forming a mission heat and a mission energy that should become more and more evident if people are maturing and i think at present i think one of the problems is at present we are running ministry bible ministries that aren't seeing that mission heat emerge which says there's something something missing you know if if we can preach and teach the bible week in week out and not see that fervor grow for gospel ambition then we're not teaching the bible properly Mm. Uh, there's something going on there and i think that's an indication there's something going on for us as preachers and leaders And so that's part of the cure, I think, is to deal with ourselves in this. But yeah, the church, I think the church is central. It's the key by which God stirs people to form the mind of Christ, to have the heart of God, to be therefore about being on mission in whatever way, shape or form they can. Um, You've also got another piece, which is that um, in the local church, you've got a, 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 a accumulation of resources put crassly so there's a there is just inherently in church a gathering together of a number of people who can do more together than they can alone and that's something to maximize and make the most of Uh, so again it's it's got a role in stirring and building mission heat but it's got a role in perhaps wisely marshalling the resources that God gives us to do more together than we are alone.
0: In our context in Australia, um, you mentioned seeker services before. Um, I suppose within the evangelical world, um, for many of us watching or listening, um, we find ourselves in churches which are the opposite end of the spectrum of seeker service. So um, rather than uh, looking outside, that is lip service that we give And in practice, we become more and more insular, and sometimes intentionally so as the world around us seems to get further and further away from Jesus. Um, So how does that theology of actually God's intention for us is to be outward looking, that the church is for insiders, but to grow us to be outward looking and bring people in. Um, How does that theology shape your practice, the practice of what you've done in your lifetime of gospel ministry, Uh, of what you've done in planting a church and seeing that grow how is that desire to see the outsider one for christ um, driven the decisions you've made about how you do church and what would you say to people listening who are in a position where they'd like to do that as well but they're not quite sure how to put that into practice
1: wow you ask big questions Dave yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) um look uh, the first thing is to do a work on yourself to, to pray that God might actually do something in you as the leader, pastor, teacher of a ministry or a key leader or you know, team member. Um, it is interesting God works through people and the key uh, person in a church's health is the pastor, teacher, the team of elders and so on. And so we're not going to get anywhere until we see leaders individually um, converted to a kind of Christ likeness that is is burdened for the lost um, and so you know there's the first step and, and how does that happen well it's a prayerful engagement with the word of God it's a prayerful engagement with the word of God together with others who are seeking that same thing because it's interesting blind spots it's interesting how so two people can read the same part of the bible and one find in it um, Uh, you know a compelling drive towards being concerned about the world around and another read it and just see syntax and grammar issues (laughs) do do you know it is so we need each other together um, to see sometimes what we're not seeing and uh, so I, I think one of the first things is to do a work on to pray the Lord does a work on you by engaging with the word together with others who have that now there's lots of material around these days where people who have that burden and that heart speak to these things. You can go and find them and you can, you know, I've heard lots of testimonies of, of men and women who have um, heard the passionate gospel hearted person stir their own heart by helping them see these things. There, there's the first step. Um, but then flows a whole bunch of things that come from that. Do you, do you want to?
0: I'd love to. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, So I think it's beginning to see in the Bible, what's always been there that we've often missed. Uh, and first steps in church life, I think, uh, you know, prayer. Uh, pray the burden grows in your own heart. Pray it grows in the heart of the people you're pastoring and ministering to. But then it's got to change your preaching. So, do you know, the, the Jesus who gave up his life to save, who came to seek and save the lost, who left the 99 to find the one, it's very hard to imagine that he would stand in front of a crowd of people week in week out and not give a sense of the burden he has for the world around them and so that's got to change your preaching if you're going to preach like christ if you're going to preach as the new testament presents itself then there needs to be a growing energy within your own ministry about the needs around the opportunities the glory of god that's at stake and so on and uh, You know, I I think we can drift into turning the wheels, doing the motions, kind of preaching. I'm going to get up each week and just explain the text. Well, praise God for that. That's pretty good. But you haven't quite done the work if all you've done is explain the text and not seen what it's big picture saying about God's purposes and and drawn to us the burden that we have. Now, with that, it then moves into a change management process. Uh, And to put it like that can, you know, I don't mean we now talk business right but there is if you've got a group of people who aren't on fire for Jesus and the cause of the gospel and you're not then there's a change that needs to happen how to make change happen well there's a whole um, start preaching to it start praying for it Uh, build a sense of what we call the burning platform which is help people see where things are actually at. And if they stay here, what a disaster. So you've just done that at the outset. 70 people on average, most people don't even know a Christian. Our country is going to hell if we don't do see something change. That's, you know, we call that a burning platform that if you don't help people start to see that if they stay where they are, it is horrific. They need to get off. Gather a uh, a small group who that you you can begin to fire up get them captured by the problems where we're at where things are at dissatisfied with that give them a an energy for what could be if only just imagine the difference we could make in this area this region if only and begin to fire up a small group of people and then let that start to multiply out they're they're the first big steps there's a bunch of things that follow from that but there's the there's the first big steps
0: so the principles at play are a crucial part of this that you, if you're not burdened uh, personally, that drives you towards prayer personally, um, which then transforms your, your preaching to, to raise the eyes and the hearts of the people around you. Um, it's not about programs. So you're not saying um, here at all, well, if you just chuck in some evangelistic programs,
1: this will transform your church or anything like that. It's far deeper than that. Oh, totally, totally, totally. We, we run programs. We do lots of programs. Um, and we started those in the first instance um, to facilitate change actually so part of a thing that programs can do you know like an evangelistic course uh, you know outreach events what it can do is begin to put on the on the radar of people that this church is about that that the leaders about that this is what we're concerned um, and if you get some wins in that if you see some people converted of course then it's it's quite compelling and powerful um, but the answer's not the programs. You, you can just lob a program into any church and it'll, you know, it won't do anything. Um, the, you know, there was an old mantra years ago, um, who you are matters more than what you do. Um, now it creates a distinction that's probably unhelpful in the end, but, but there is a truth there that um, you can put, I, I, you could drop into a church that's not going anywhere a fired up, passionate evangelist who's captured by the heart of Christ, who who doesn't have many programs, who doesn't have much wisdom about organisation and management, that church will shift and change to be evangelistically. You know, the, so what the the key to it is your own heart captured by Christ, um, and expanding that out into a larger and larger group of people. Now, once you've got that happening, there are questions of how best to maximize the impact of that growing heat Um, over the years we've talked about two things poetry and plumbing Um, poetry is the mission heat it's the gospel heat it's the energy it's the song of the gospel that's captivating and exciting but you need the plumbing to to give um, a fullness and and scale and spread to that poetry Uh, A church that just has poetry will get so far, but it won't go farther. Uh, But a church that has only plumbing and no poetry will just be, you know, an offence to the gospel. Um, But you add those two together and you can multiply things greatly. Now, what poetry might you add in? Well, that's a whole other question. Yeah.
0: Not long ago, uh, I was visiting another church. Uh, I spoke to the pastor there about um, conversions. And the question was how many people you know, how many people have become Christians here over the last few years? Yeah. Uh, and the answer was striking. It was, I have no idea. Um, that's not my concern. Uh, God knows. We don't know. Um, we do what we do. And, um, and when I spoke to a few other people there, it kind of became clear actually this was a small church. It hadn't grown. It probably hadn't seen many conversions. Yeah. But that pastor had hit upon something which is pretty common uh, in evangelical circles everywhere probably, which is that God controls the fruitfulness, not us. Yeah. So this kind of talk, uh, intentional thinking and, and dwelling upon how we can see more people converted um, that's actually ungodly. That's, that's not for us to know. yeah um, we just preach the gospel this kind of thing you know, we preach the gospel and God looks after the result. Um, what do you say to that?
1: Yeah yeah yeah, it's a big one. Uh, well a bunch of stuff. Firstly, uh, praise God that we've got a whole crowd of men, women who will be faithful to the cause of the gospel, whatever happens. You know, So um, there's a great strength in that mindset that says, um, it's not about me, it's about what God does. I'm going to continue faithful and strong on this beautiful, wonderful. But the problem is the New Testament doesn't quite simply think like that. <laughs> um, of course, it says that be faithful unto death, you know, uh, um, continue to in season, out of season, watch your life and doctrine closely and so on and so forth. Um, but it also talks about, you mentioned the word fruitful. It also talks about fruitfulness in a way that's sometimes quite um, disturbing for us in that. Uh, you know, so Paul in Colossians 1 uh, talks about the gospel bearing fruit. And, or having a harvest, you know, but the NIV, the, the, the Greek is fruit. And the idea of fruit there is conversion. The Gospels, seeing more and more people wonder Christ. It's, it's growing. Um, also, life's changed. You get Paul wanting to go to Rome to produce a harvest, uh, to bear fruit. Um, but in John's gospel, it's quite extraordinary where um, John 15, Jesus talks about, it's to my father's glory that you bear much fruit. Now, what does he mean by fruit? Well, as you go back into John's gospel, John four, John 12, fruit must have a dimension to it, which is conversion growth. Um, You know, so unless a grain of seed falls to the ground, it stays a single seed, but otherwise it produces fruit. Um, And so it's to your father's glory that we bear fruit, that our lives have some impact for the cause of the growth of the kingdoms numerically as well as spiritually. Well, wow, suddenly I'm to be about fruitfulness because the Lord prunes off those that don't produce fruit. Um, And so it matters that I produce fruit. Uh, And it's interesting, Paul, when he says, watch your life and doctrine closely, he says, for by them you will save both yourself and your hearers. Mm. So we have a responsibility in what we do and how we do it towards the outcome of people being saved. We make a difference. Yes, 1 Corinthians 3, the Lord God is sovereign over that, but he uses means to achieve those outcomes. Um, You know, we're uh, we're to work at our salvation with fear and trembling because it's the Lord who works to will and to act. So the sovereignty of God was never in the New Testament a reason to not take responsibility ourselves for outcomes. The two go hand in hand. In fact, they empower, they empower our ability to take responsibility without it becoming man-centered. So there there is a, the church leadership needs to recognize that if there's no fruitfulness, it's not simply because God's in control and it's his work, not mine. There will be things that we need to consider about our own ministries and how we're doing it to see whether we're part of the problem, um, you know, are we hindering the fruit in this area? Um, are we wisely stewarding God's resources to produce fruit? Um, chapter uh, so Acts chapter 14 verse one. There's an astonishing little statement there where Luke reports that Paul preached in such a way that a great many Jews and Greeks believed. Now that's disturbing because what it suggests is that the way he preached was connected with the outcome of people being converted. Now we, we kind of rebelling, it and want to say, no, 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 it's it's God who gives the growth, 1 Corinthians 3. Um, but 1 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11, Paul talks about doing whatever needs to be done to, to see people converted, follow his example as he follows the example of Christ. So there's a number of features of the New Testament that just knock us a little bit off that simplistic idea of faithful, not fruitful. It's God's job. Uh, There is enough in the New Testament that says the two go hand in hand. We're to pursue fruitfulness and take some responsibility for it. Not ultimate, but under God, we do influence and impact the outcomes of fruitfulness. So if you're not seeing any fruitfulness in your church ministries through people being changed spiritually or added to the faith, then don't rush too quickly to the sovereignty of God. Yes, there's a great comfort there that he is sovereign. But actually take pause and consider whether you're contributing to the problem. Mm. Yeah.
0: There's a great strength in uh, that kind of self-reflection, isn't there? Of terrifying It's terrifying. Ascertaining. It's terrifying. But liberating because if you're the problem, well you can begin to fix that problem. yeah
1: yeah 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 there, there, there's, there's a risk challenge and an opportunity that's right the, the risk and challenge is that you get so burdened with the problem that you're crushed by it. Um, but we, we serve a God who is full of grace and I love this that I can look in the mirror, be honest about my ministries and go, you know yeah I'm not doing what I should be doing I'm sorry. But the Lord loves me. And so there's compassion and grace. I can, I can cope with the reality and the honesty. Um, but there are risks, which the gospel, I think, answers and speaks to. But, yeah, opportunities. Um, so in the Australian context, the soil is hard, but it's not concrete. You know, it, it is hard. It's harder than some places. Um, but there are ministries across our country that are seeing conversion growth as a fairly regular pattern and that alerts us to the fact that you can do things differently and it see and see it make a difference. Yeah. Well, how, that's exciting. Yeah. I, I could actually change a few things and see more people in heaven. Yeah.
0: As you've travelled and seen and experienced uh, around Australia and around the world, um, the churches that are seeing fruit um, in a variety of contexts, and people listening will be from rural or uh, coastal or city churches, all types of denominations and experiences. What do these churches have in common? What, what are the churches um, doing? I mean, you've mentioned prayer and, and a preaching um, and envisioning, I suppose, from the leadership. Um, are they doing anything else pragmatically or practically that's helping get the entire church into mission with them?
1: Look, I think it's almost always the case that churches that are growing are led by energetic leadership uh, dri- leaders that are driven that have a gospel ambition um, that want to see change happen you know that aren't satisfied with the status quo um, it is possible just to do leadership of any group of people but of church obviously um, where you are content just to come and do your job and whatever happens happens those churches it's unusual to see them grow you know, sometimes god pours out his spirit and there's a great revival, but typically you'll see you'll see a leader who who lives and breathes wanting to see change, status quo broken. Um, so again, that comes back to the key is working on yourself. There, um, look. There's, then there's a mix of things. I think um, you know you'll see various different strategies used by different churches in different contexts um there is a reality that we do sit in different situations we need to pay heed to that so a university ministry it's possible to grow a university ministry through certain leadership structures and strategies that just won't work very well in suburbia Mm. Um, and so the the kind of pipeline ministry structures that they may pay attention to there uh, will work in their context but won't work in suburbia Suburban contexts that are often different, inner cities, different country. Um, So, most churches that are seeing regular growth and fruit have paid attention to those nuances and differences um, with the heartbeat being the same, yeah.
0: Uh, Andrew, I remember uh, when I first started ministry, uh, I tried like a scattergun approach of evangelistic events and uh, getting in the guest speaker and trying this and trying that um I saw very little fruit it's very easily discouraged in mm, it. and mm. I ended up thinking really well this is a this is a mugs game no one can win this this is really really difficult mm. um, what are some common mistakes you see um, pastors ministers leaders making in churches um, well-intentioned mistakes but mistakes that they're making around evangelism in their churches
1: yeah, it's a difficult question course uh, what am I what mistakes am I seeing people make the mistakes I've made too sure right so you know we' We're all works in progress. We're all. Uh, in my mind, again, there's kind of half a dozen things that I. Um, I think we're bought into a bunch of myths about evangelism that we need to dispel almost before we can kind of move forward. Um, you know, one myth uh, is that everyone will become an evangelist if I just mature them enough. So it's the you know it's the maturity myth it's the it's the idea that if i just preach and pray the bible systematically verse by verse people will all mature enough and they'll spontaneously and organically be out evangelizing their friends and we'll win the suburb Um, now it's a beautifully naive myth in that yeah you want to be about that but if you don't also provide scaffolding so the poetry and the plumbing um, people in all their fears and insecurities just won't do Everyone's different. People are gifted differently. Um, you know, There's a confidence that they need to grow. There's competencies they need to develop in. And so if you're relying on that, you just won't see much traction. Um, that's a myth. I think the other myth is that if I just tack on the course, it'll all work. No, no, if you tack on the course, you'll invite people to come. No one will come. One person will come. It'll work once. It won't work. It'll That'll be the end of it. Um, uh, another myth is that the, the, if I can just identify the four or five evangelists, free them up from other ministries and unleash them to go and do evangelism, that'll bring in a steady stream of people. No, no, they'll go and join the soccer club. <laughs> do you know what I mean? If I free up the evangelist from doing other ministries, you'll become the president of the local PNC. Um, there's a myth around we're not seeing evangelism happen because people are too busy running church we have not found that we've found the busier people are captured to the ministries of church in an effective context the more they're evangelizing mm. you know if you want something done give it to a busy person mm. and so there's another little myth there that we need to dispel the other myth is that the, the the minister can be the one who does it and everyone else just come along now if you're leading a church you'll end up fragmented with a whole bunch of different things you just you'll get to it a little bit you'll No, no, that's not the answer. Um, Another myth is Uh, follow-up. John Chapman, who was a great evangelist in our country uh, and known around the world, Chapo uh, talked to us a a month or so before he died and we were asking him about follow-up back in the day. And he said, follow-up for us. He said, I'd evangelize a crowd of people. Someone's converted, follow-up involved, giving them a tract and the address of the local church. Um, now, that's a, that's, I don't know, that worked back in the 70s, I don't know, but it doesn't work today. Yeah. So, a myth is that you can do the evangelistic work, see someone converted, and just t- invite them to church, and all will be okay. We actually now run a 10 month follow up program because the whole transition from pagan secularist. To understanding the claims of christ and now living for christ and being embedded in his world of church life and that is a massive transition and we walk with people through that process over a long period of time so it's another myth that means we're not very effective it's just a bunch of these things that we do need to dispel yeah
0: and so the person who's been pouring energy and vigor and resource uh, into some of these myths uh, well it's actually wonderful news isn't it because whilst those things have borne very little fruit, um, and so it can be very discouraging. There are other options to yeah. discuss. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. have to do it this way. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And if you've been doing it that way and found not much, this is your point, isn't it? If you've been doing it that way, this is a mugs game. It's not working. The soil's hard. Um, well, a bunch of us want to say, uh, yet yeah, those things actually will lead you into that path, and there is another way. Instead, I think you called it the scattergun approach. If you re- if you come back from that and actually do fewer things and do them better and set them up to succeed, not fail, you'll you'll actually get momentum. And I'll give you an illustration of this. If you do run a course, you don't have to, it's not the only way to do things, but if you ran a course and you know, the week before Christianity Explored, you say, the course is on bringing on Christian friends, um, you'll get, you might get some low fruit the first time you do it, but it'll never work again. Whereas if you work out a whole program of leading into that evangelistic course, that is like a large pipeline. You know, you, you, you do some just contact events three, four months out. Um, you do some relationship building activities. You, um, have a program of testimonies of people, you, and you do this with quite a significant lead time, all moving towards that day when Christianity Explained starts. Uh, you'll get traction, you'll get a lot more people there. But that requires you to step back and do fewer things and do them better.
0: Yeah. Do less things better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the men and women listening uh, who, are, who are leaders in the church, uh, earnestly in interest, interested and invested in evangelism, but they're in smaller churches, smaller staff teams. Um, is that still feasible for them to do it? How do they go about doing this?
1: Oh, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, church plants, are, are a perfect example of this what's interesting is that the evidence from our church plans in australia is that they they see three four converts a year amongst people of 30 40 size church um, and they're doing that per year that therefore says it is possible to mobilize a small group of people um, now what's the key there well it is you know, a lot of what we're saying it's a it's a leadership that's it's focused on gospel ambition, gospel heart. Um, uh, Rebuild, well, in a church plant, you've largely got a selected group of people who've come because they want to make this thing work. Well, start to build that into an established church. That is to say, if you've got a church of 40, 50 people, um, begin to do the pastoral work, visit homes, preach to it, pastor to it, Uh, go to homes and start talking about what's happening. Uh, how do you feel about the state of church life? How do you? What could be if we all cast a vision? Mm. And in a smaller church, you can you can engage with every single member of church personally. Um, and if you're captured to the cause of Christ, that will become infectious. Now, not everybody. There'll be some people who are going, I just want to come turn up to church once a month. Um, but it's interesting through church history, uh, how often that close engagement in a catechism kind of experience in the houses of people has transformed churches, Mm -hmm. turned them around and got growth happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: Final question, Andrew, if you are in a church, like the majority of our churches in Australia, uh, which are below 200 people, um, who have struggled uh, within evangelism for years and associated with that all types of guilt and regret and concern. um, What hope can you give uh, to the listeners or watchers uh, things that they can put into place this year um, in the next few months uh, that will help uh, I suppose a newfound desire to see evangelistic fruit not just be a flash in the pan oh okay here's a new program doesn't work here's a new program, but actually can be inserted into the real DNA of a church um, what would you do if you found yourself in a church of below 200 2021 to, to get evangelism back front and center what are the things you'd do?
1: Uh, five, six, seven things. Okay. <laughs> I'd, um, I've only thought about this a little bit, okay. uh, but um, yeah, I would I'd, I'd do the preach, pray thing. You, you've got to, uh, you, you know, the leader's got to work on himself, herself, get recaptured with the cause of the gospel, be prayerful about that. Gather the core group, some kind of group where you can infect each other. Begin to develop the dissatisfaction and the hunger for something else. Um, uh, begin to preach differently so the the messaging uh, is now got a different flavour and tone about it. We're not just here to keep everybody happy. You know, Change the whole thing.
0: So it's not a preaching to the non-Christian there. That's not what you're saying. No, so preaching no, preaching no, no, to your no. Christians yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. The whole the whole flavour and way I talk with the people around me. Um, the uh make heroes of the right people. So, um, you know, find, find the people who are captured by these things and find a way to make them the heroes of church life, the ones who are talking to their friends, the ones who have seen a difficult conversation. It doesn't need to be convert, but difficult conversation. They've stepped into it begin to profile those kinds of people.
0: Do so you up the front on a Sunday and interview yeah. those people?
1: That yeah, interview those people. We film lots of those kind of things here. But in the early years, it was lots of personal interviews. Um, uh, put into leadership people who have an increasing passion about these things so that slowly the church, the, the leaders of the church, start to change and, and influence. Um, and some very practical things go through your annual calendar and rethink it from uh, an evangelistic point of view. So actually look at the year and say, how, what are we doing and how are we doing it through the year um, that will best help position our church for the sake of reaching the lost? Well, you know, not the Sunday service, but us as a community together with which the Sunday service has a massive part. Um, now, that one, of the, one of the things we did from the very beginning was reshape a whole calendar year so that it was driven by mobilizing us together for a mission and that that kind of filtered dna culture down all the way through Um, i'd say lastly build an engine for evangelism somewhere in your community life Um, you know put on Christianity Explained or Explored or Explaining Christianity or Life, which is a very good course. Put something like this on with sufficient regularity and build the lead up to it and the follow up from it in such a way that it has, um, it gives it the best possibility of seeing people wonder Christ and establish in the faith. Uh, Build an engine into your structures. Uh, there'd be half a dozen things to start with. Sure. Yeah.
0: And of course, I just want to touch on that last one very briefly, the one about a, an engine. Um, that the dual outcome of that engine is not just uh, seeing non-Christians come to know and love Jesus, but it plays a huge part in infecting and invigorating yeah, and, yeah, and envisioning yeah, 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 your people. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We, we, with, with mission, the outcome you're trying to achieve with under the mission kind of concern is twofold. Yeah, that's right. It's, um, I want to see people converted. I don't just want to be faithfully gospeling. I want to see people converted. That's a big shift in mindset. And so that's why it's very strange to not know how many were converted. If I'm passionate about conversion, uh, everyone converted. I'll know who they are and how many there were. Um, But the second thing is that that people are one to being about conversion. So the two things uh, conversions happening and people more and more are participating in the activity from a burden of the heart uh, of evangelistic activity it doesn't always mean that they'll be the evangelist uh, but they'll participate in whatever way they can with whatever gifts they have with a growing enthusiasm for it
0: Andrew thank you so much Uh, well if you are listening or watching uh, and you'd like to talk more about evangelism we would love to help you with that and love to discuss it with you uh, for more information and details or to get in touch, go to the website www.breachaustralia.com.au